folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. In today's podcast, we're going to be discussing aiming technique. And you'll notice I say aiming technique and not techniques. I'll get into that in a second. But there are many techniques floating out there on the internet, in articles, on forums. And you'll hear everything from you have to learn how to control your float to mentally tricking yourself into going into automatic mode. Honestly, it can all sound like a lot of voodoo to people, but I found it all boils down, in my opinion, to one concept, and that is using your natural ability, not capability, to aim. I know that sounds a bit confusing, and I'll get into that. What do I mean by natural ability versus capability? And I'm not using a you know, a Webster's dictionary definition of it or anything like that. What I'm saying is that when it comes to your natural ability, okay, I mean stuff that you are born knowing how to do. You may not realize it, but you're born knowing how to do it. An example, you're born knowing how to breathe. You're born knowing how to blink your eyes. You're not necessarily born knowing how to walk because that takes learning balance. You're taught how to walk. Your parents work with you. And eventually you can do it on your own. Shooting is a capability. You learn a capability. Okay? Now it may become second nature to you later on, but it's a capability nonetheless. No one is born knowing how to shoot. I believe, however that if you draw from your natural ability, your ability to aim is natural instinct, how to aim. You have to work with your natural programming. I know it sounds a little bit weird, but I'll get into it. But I think for purposes of this episode, it's best to describe what I'm actually talking about by example. So, There's a young man I'm currently working with, and his dad uh, came to me before to work on his bow, and this year he came to me and said, listen, my son wants to learn how to shoot, you know, longer distances. He's been hunting with me. He's been successful before, but he really got into this thing where he wants to shoot longer distances than 20 yards, and he brought his son to meet me, and, you know, he's seen what I can do, and the kid was thrilled about that. He wants to do it. So I said, listen, we're going to fix you up. I tuned his bow for him. I get him set up with a new site because he had issues with the other site before. And I said, I'm going to work with you, and I can guarantee you I'm going to make you shoot further and better and more accurate. Because I think what had happened is he probably had seen a deer somewhere that was out of his range. Could have been anything. The fact is, if there's something that you want to do, there should be no barriers to you in doing it. If you have the will and the desire to do it, you'll do it. So my promise and my pledge to him was, I'm going to help you shoot further. Then this whole COVID thing hits. And our operations here were suspended, couldn't do anything indoors. So finally, weather got better. His dad contacts me. He's like, yeah, I don't know if you do anything yet, but, you know, my son still really wants to learn how to shoot that long distance. We want to finish setting up that site. I said, yeah, no problem. So I met them down at the range, and I said, okay, let's see what you can do. And I did notice that 20 and 30 yards, you know, when he was shooting, 
his groups were a little suspect. They were kind of a little bit over over the place. And I did really notice that when people were watching him, he would occasionally shank one or two hours completely out of the way. The release was not clean. You name it. It, it was kind of crazy. And at first I attributed that to, well, he hasn't had any real formal training. Maybe that's what it had to do with. I looked at his hand position, corrected some stuff on there. But still, even when I was watching him, you get one or two shots out of a group of four that launch like a, I don't know, like a crooked missile out of his bow, weird sounds, stuff like that. I checked the equipment. The rest might have been something with it, but it was something more going on. We changed the rest. Still, better performance, but still the same thing happening. So I said, you know what? We're going to have to do this a little bit a little bit more personal. So I arranged for them to meet me at the indoor range early one morning and had them shoot at 20 yards. And lo and behold, he did the same exact thing. And I'm watching him. I had him shoot like two or three rounds. I'm like, all right, I think I figured out what's going on. And what I did was, and I mentioned this before in another podcast, but it was especially true here. I said, listen, I flipped his target backwards, and now he's just shooting at a blank piece of cardboard at 20 yards. And I told him, I said, I want you to hit the middle of that thing. He says, but it doesn't have a target. And I said, I don't care. Hit the middle of that thing as best you can. Fire three shots at it. I'm telling you, all three shots were exactly in the middle of the target, and all three shots were touching each other. Like, yep, that's what's going on. And he looked at me like, whoa, what just happened? I said, all right, we're going to make sure that wasn't a fluke. Do it again. Did it again. And if I'm not kidding, I'm telling you right now, they were even closer. I mean, you couldn't cram a a hair between those arrows as close as they were. And then I explained to him what it was. So basically, what he is... And there's different terminologies you can use for it. This is what I use for it. I call him a natural-born hunter. And I don't mean he's like some kind of death stalker who like can just go into the woods and is pre-programmed by his genetics to go out there and be the greatest hunter in the world. That's not what I'm talking about. I use the natural-born hunter terminology to, to explain someone who can shoot at something that does not have a spot on it way better than anything else. They, there are people out there, okay, and I've run into them all the time, who can shoot at deer, at any animal, lights out, but you throw a target at them, no matter what distance, and they are all over the place. And you say to yourself, how can this guy go ahead and, nail this thing with the ultimate precision but i put a target in front of him it's all over the place it's basically what their makeup is and like i said it's two different types the opposite of that type of person all right is someone who can shoot at targets they i call them the natural born spot shooters they can shoot at targets no matter what angle you put it on no matter how far once they learn distance shooting doesn't make a difference they will find the center of it it's natural to them they shoot great scores 
Put them in front of a deer, they miss. Put them in front of a 3D target, unless it's got one of those specialized scoring rings marked off on it, they do horribly. Those are natural spot shooters. I find that those people who practice on the range all the time don't know that that's what's going on with them, and then they wind up going into the woods with all the confidence in the world. And confidence is key to this. But confidence can be blown up really easily if you have a bad experience. So diagnosing what's going on with your shooting. If you have to do it with a coach or somebody like that, hopefully someone who knows how to diagnose it in the first place, don't get me started on that one because, like I said, there's plenty of certified coaches out there who don't know a damn thing about what they're teaching or they only teach book. And I'm like, okay, but don't go charging crazy amounts per hour because you have no, no clue what you're doing or something outside the ordinary you can't figure out. But you don't want people to lose confidence. And when these people go out into the woods, they have all the confidence in the world. They see a deer 20 yards and they wind up missing it completely or wounding it, which is the worst experience a hunter can experience. Their confidence goes out and they don't know what happens. And how do I diagnose those people? Because I've taken them hunting before and I'll say, what happened? And usually the first thing that, that occurs to them is, I don't know. Or I aimed at him and I missed. I'm like, where did you aim? Right behind his shoulder. I'm like, you sure? Most cases, these people, like I said, the natural born spot shooters or target shooters, they aimed at the whole animal. So they missed. Same thing if I take a natural born hunter, put him on a target range and ask him why the group looks so bad. They don't get it either. But it's because one is pre-programmed to shoot at one thing and one is pre-disposed to shoot at the other. It does not mean they can't be trained to do it. It's just going to be harder. And there's some people who write in the middle. So let's start talking about aiming now. Okay, I've already described the two different types of shooters, your natural-born target shooters natural born hunters but where they cross is how they aim so in the case of a natural born hunter okay or a natural born target shooter we're looking to improve what they're doing and in some cases because they can only do one or the other really well without realizing it we need to program a crossover in them that allows them to do that so the first question I'll ask people is, what are you looking at exactly when you're sighting in at the target? Some say they focus on the pins. Some say they focus on the target. Okay. For those that focus on the pins, if they've got bad eyesight, they're going to tell you that they might need a verifier, which is the opposite of a clarifier, which if you've never heard of target shooting, this is all foreign to you anyway. But I'll break it down like this. A clarifier, if you're using a scope, will clarify the target picture. Otherwise, it'll look fuzzy because the power is off. If you can't see your pins, but you can see the target clearly, then you might need a verifier, which is a small lens that goes into your peep sight, same way that the clarifier goes in there. But this thing clears up your pins. 
they can both have like backwards effects where one will make one thing look great and the other thing look crappy and you have to guess the different powers and we have tools to help you with that. But it really all boils down to your human ability. And that human ability, okay, your human capability, if you will, has to do with just simple focus. And I don't mean mental. Because you're going to hear that thrown out there too. You have to have mental focus, mental fortitude in order to do this. Yeah, no. Start with the basics. You need to have physical focus. What do I mean? Listen closely because the little light bulb is going to click in a second if you haven't really thought about it before. How many times have you seen a video where someone's demonstrating something and they say, okay, let me zoom in on this for you. And when they're trying to zoom in, the camera will automatically go really, really fuzzy at something as they zoom in on it and then suddenly it'll clear up. But if they move for a second away from it, it gets all fuzzy until they come back into focus again. Well, I'm not an eye doctor. I'm not a physician. I'm a coach. I've seen it long enough. I can tell you. Only because it happens to me. The human eye. Human. I'm not talking about, you know, genetically enhanced. Or anything futuristic in any way. See too much of that in the movies and all that. The human eye can only focus on one thing at a time. I don't care which way you slice it. That is a fact. What do I mean? Well, what I mean is try to focus on two things at once. So if you're trying to focus on your pin and your target all at the same time, one of two things is going to happen. Either your pin is going to go blurry and the target's going to stay clear, or the pin's going to be clear and the target's going to look blurry. Try to make that make any kind of sense. You can't do both. And anyone who says, I can see my pin absolutely clearly and my target absolutely clearly, clearly, and I can focus on both of them, is a complete and abject liar. They can't do it. Or they don't know what they're talking about because they don't realize what they're seeing. So if I can't focus on a pin or I can't focus on a target, I have to decide which one I'm going to focus on. How do I do that? Well, okay. Many of you, not hopefully some of you, if you haven't, you should probably look them up, have heard uh, by, about a guy by the name of Joel Turner. And he, he teaches a training system which I find to be the most dynamite in the world. And you can go on, you can look at the Shot IQ system, and it helps people with target panic and all kinds of other stuff, Okay. But he's one of the first person, one of the first people out there, right, who refers to a term that most have never heard of before. And I got to admit, before I heard him say it, I had never heard of it referred to like this before. But we all know about fundamentals. You'll hear that term used a lot, thrown around a lot. Reading is fundamental, stuff like that. But he also refers to some things in physicality as fundaphysical. So, 
if you want to be able to shoot properly and aim properly like I'm talking about now, you have to rely on the funda physicals. The funda physical being don't try to create a power that's not there or trying to get your body to do something that it doesn't have the capability of doing or forcing it to try to, to try to do something like that. You're forcing it to try to concentrate on two things. It will end in disaster. You have to use the basic aiming ability, in my opinion, that is this again, this is the system I teach and it's worked and this is how we do it. You have to be able to focus on the target. Focus on the target. If you have a problem with vision at the target and you need to put a clarifier lens in there, do so. If your target is clear, but for some reason your pins are like really, really, like I can't even see the pins, then maybe you need a clarifier, uh, a verifier for that that fixes your pins. But that's beyond what I'm talking about. Let's just talk about for now the very basic of it, focusing on the target itself. So then the first thing people tell me is, Coach, I can't do that. How am I going to get the pin on the target? Okay, let's start with step one. Come to your full draw, okay? Now we're going to form our target picture, what you're seeing when you're looking at the target area. Come to full draw. You drop your pin or your scope or whatever it is on the target. Once your pin or your dot crosses into the center of the target, and pay attention to this next part, your eye should lock on the center of the target. And now your focus strictly becomes the target. And the first thing I hear is, are you kidding me? My pin, how am I going to keep it in there? All right. Think about it like this. If you're focusing between your pin and your target, then you're going to notice that little float that goes back and forth. You'll hear the word float referred to by countless people on the internet. I got to watch my float. My float's got to be in a figure eight or my float's got to be in the infinity sign or something like that. And then when it slows down and stops on top of the target, I'm going to shoot. Good luck with that. There's maybe one or two people I know who can do that. They're professional shooters. The fact is, if you're only if you're trying to go back and forth between focal points, you're going to be like that camera I mentioned before. It's going to mess with your head. Your brain's not going to know what to do. And all of a sudden, you're going to fire on will. And remember what I said. If you're thinking about it, when you're, when you're firing, your body is automatically going to prepare for that impact of when the bow goes off. It anticipates. It screws up the shot. If you're concentrating on your pin... Think about it like this. If the pin's moving crazy in front of your eye, you're going to see that. The human brain is aiming. It does a lot more than you give it credit for. So now you've got your eye locked onto the center of the target. You know where you want that arrow to go. Your pin, believe it or not, is going to move out of the target and back into it and out of the target and back into it. But because you're concentrating on the target itself, let it do what it does. Your brain's going to put it back where it belongs. And when you execute your shot, It'll go where it's supposed to. Your group will go perfectly. In the case of someone who's a natural board hunter, they're concentrating on the middle of that blank piece of paper or that blank target or on the spot in the middle of all that deer hair that they're, they're aiming at. 
and they're burning their eye into the target. And boom, it just goes there. Same thing if they're a target shooter. They burn their eye into the middle of the target, and boom, it just goes there. It's just that some people have a problem concentrating on one or the other. And like I said, that can be fixed. It's not hard. But again, I'm saying you have to lock your eye onto the target. So a good test you can do is you pick up your pencil, okay? And what I want you to do is I want you to point the pencil, you know, straight up in the air and put the tip of the pencil looking downrange at your target. And f- just bring it to the center of the target, then change your focus and focus only on the target. It's interesting. And you'll see that you can keep it right on there as long as you focus on the target. Now, switch your focus back to the tip of the pencil. And watch that. I think you'll notice with the same amount of pressure on your hand and all that, that that thing is moving a lot. Try to hold it still on the target. Almost impossible. It's still jittery back and forth, back and forth. But you'll notice that it does a pattern because your brain is trying to autocorrect. Now, which would you rather see? Would you rather see the jiggly muff going back and forth like that all over the place? Jiggle, 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 trying to keep it in center. Would you rather concentrate on target? It's a much more calm, a much more passive target picture. And it's easier to shoot and more accurate to shoot that way. And that's what we're looking for. Accuracy, simplicity. Using that natural ability to do what you need it to do. If you try to bend it the other way, And try to focus on the two things, you'll drive yourself crazy. You'll not be accurate as you want to be. If you only focus on the pin, yes, you can still shoot that target. But guess what? You're making it so much harder for yourself because you're seeing all that float. Your brain's going to overdrive saying, oh my God, I've got to hold that right there. And it just makes it more difficult. How do I solve the issue? Now we know what we got to do. Focus on the target. Once, once your pin comes into the middle of the target, focus on the target, and you'll be fine. So I know it sounds a lot easier than it actually is, but it actually pretty is very, very simple. So people tell me, well, I'm a target shooter. How do I cross over into that? Because, you know, I want to be able to shoot at targets, but I can't. Okay, when it comes to people who want to shoot at targets, but they're natural-born hunters, the way I fix them is actually pretty simple. If they're shooting a scope, let's just say, for for target shooting, I'll switch them to, uh, instead of a flat-out spot, I'll switch them to an empty circle in the middle of their lens. And guess what? They can put the circle around the center of the target Use that to lock on, then start concentrating on target again. But because subconsciously their eye can see through to the center of the target and they're focusing on the center of the target now, they're not trying to peek around where it is. Because you'll see a lot of people with pins try to peek around the pin to see if they're really on still the center of the target. And that causes their problem. So for them, that's how I fix them. I can also fix them without having to switch them to a, to a lens or anything like that. 
And there's other techniques we can use. I'll get into that in another podcast. For the opposite person, the target shooter, who wants to shoot at a 3D animal or a real animal for that for that matter, they need to be able to learn to pick a spot. So like I said, most deer, most other game animals don't walk around with targets on their sides. So what does that leave for the target shooter? They're not out of the game. No matter what animal or target you're shooting at, you got to know that they're all individual. That even includes 3D targets. Yes, they're all cast the same exact way, but they're individual. This is how. You're aiming at a deer. Look on that deer for in the area where you want to actually target him. Look for something that's out of place, a tuft of hair or something like that, or color change. And I've said this before. Aim for that. Now, all of a sudden, you've got an actual target on him. Same thing for 3D deer, 3D targets. Look for something that's out of the ordinary on it in the area that you want to shoot. You've now got a spot. Very simple. And that's how I get them over these things. Because lack of doing that is going to make them shoot at an entire animal. And when you're shooting at an entire body or an entire animal, an entire 3D target, you're not picking out a spot. Your angle of aim could be anywhere. And you can wind up shooting over it, under it, left, right, wounding it, something we don't want to do. And this is what happens. We are about 30% done, maybe 40% done on the editing and the setup of the first couple of videos we're going to put in our series on YouTube or whatever other platform we decide to go with. When those are done, there'll be a section on this as well. And I think it's a little bit easier to describe, although trying to get the camera to see that target picture is not necessarily the easiest thing to do, but we will do it. So again, focus. Once you lock onto that target, the pin cl- the pin crosses the target, lock onto it, your eye stays there and the focus becomes that. I've actually seen, and not to poke fun at anybody, um, I've actually seen a peep site that was marketed that had a pin inside the peep site so you can actually put it on there like you would in a rifle scope and you can use that to send to your target. The whole principle is bonkers because if you did that, your, your eye can't focus on the two of them. It's just not going to work. Yet you'll find people who say, oh, I swear it works for me. Like, okay, they're few and far between and chances are they don't know what they're looking at in the first place and they think it works for them. It's a placebo effect and it just, and if that's what floats your boat and what you need to get you going, that's fine. Don't care. But the fact of the matter is, Human eye can only focus on one thing at a time, one distance. The focal distance should be concentrated on your target, on a spot on your target, on on the visual center of wherever it is you want to hit. Eye locks on, the pin will come back to it, and you're not going to have a problem. And I'll go through it every week with with kids at the range, and while they first have a little hard time understanding what I'm saying, when it snaps, it's like this big click goes off, And they're never the same. And they become awesome shooters. I mean, awesome like that. I've taken people that have been shooting for years, shooting groups at 20 yards, just six and eight inches across. Once they learn this principle, they're fine. It's also the key to long-distance shooting. If you're shooting long distance and you don't pick a spot, 
Your group's going to be the size of a stop sign if you don't miss the target completely. And that inspires confidence once you're able to do that. If you're going to go and shoot at a target, be it animal or otherwise, outside your normal distance or whatever it is, and you're just hoping to hit it, then you need to back it up. Learn the ability, okay? Sharpen that ability that you have, turn it into a capability, and then extend your your range from that. But the key is, no matter what distance you're doing at, the principle of aiming and focusing on the target itself and not the pin or the aiming apparatus is the key. It's true of pin sights. It's true of even the EZV sight. The EZV sight that I talk about a lot is a hunting sight. It can be used to shoot target as well, but it's really designed for hunting. But the thing it does is it lets you watch your target all the time. So they they find on the EZV where it fits, and then they focus through that center to their target. Because if you don't, you're going to miss. And guess what? It's easier to learn with that than anything else. That's why so many people have incredible success with it. But it all boils, boils down to the same thing. Focus on the target. Okay, so hopefully that's been a little bit of a help to you. And again, we'll be going into that more, more in depth on a video that we're, we're putting out. So now we're going to go to our listener questions, you know, section of the show. And uh, let's see, what do we got here? We've got three of them today. The last one I'm saving because that, that's a doozy, and we'll go over that. But our first question is, Marty C. writes, Hey, I started listening to your podcast with my daughter. I love it when people listen to it with their kids. We try to keep a clean podcast here and keep it moderately entertaining. And if you can listen to it with your kids, it's even better because then we get a whole family together. We've been shooting for about a year now and doing okay, but always had trouble shooting at different sized targets. So I guess shooting at a very small target as opposed to a very big one is what they're having the issue with. A friend who listens to you said we should check out the podcast, and and in one episode you went over learning to shoot from shoulder height. So we started practicing with our targets up higher instead of on the ground. It really works. Told you so. Can't thank you enough. But we still have problems hitting different size targets if they are not elevated. What are we missing? Okay, I am not Yoda in any way, shape, or form. I wouldn't like to be green, and I wouldn't like to be that short. But I can tell you, based on what you're saying, because you're having problems shooting at different sized targets, you have maybe a a combination of things. And it's not unusual because people who have never had formal training will run into this. What it boils down to is your arm movement. What does that mean? Okay. So the reason why I tell people shoot at shoulder height instead of shooting on the ground, because if you shoot only on the ground, as I've been over it before on another podcast, you're going to wind up training yourself to shoot with either an arm, which is pitched down, and then when you try to shoot at something at a higher elevation, it's going to screw up. It's not going to be the same. Your anchor is going to be weird or feel strange, and then you can't do it. In this case, now you've elevated your target up, and now you're shooting and your form has gotten better and it's all good. But shooting at the smaller size targets or larger targets becomes a problem. And what happens, I find, in most situations like that is your 
our movement is being used in place of steering. What is steering? I tell people, this should not come as a surprise, when you're coming onto a target, come to your full draw, and then steer your body like a turret, but not with your front arm. And that's what most people do when they're shooting at a smaller or a bigger target. They move their arm to wherever that target is, and they don't move the rest of the assembly. They don't move everything in line. If you steer with your back shoulder, okay, like a tu- now you become like a turret on a tank, you'll find that your frame that you created when you came to full draw stays the same. And in doing so, no matter where you put your pin, you're able to hit it. If, of course, you're focusing on the target, like I said before. Anyway, a breakdown in that form by moving your arm to aim at something that may be a different height or different size, that sort of thing, is what causes that problem. So all you got to do is practice when you come to full draw, boom, use your use your shoulder to steer the front. Just leave the front completely straight, and you'll find it's so much easier to hit them. Start small, do it close if you're not from if you're not comfortable with it. And I think you'll find you'll have a lot lot more success shooting different size targets, whether it's the size of a gopher or the size of an 80-centimeter target. It'll be the same. And if you still have a problem with it, send me another email. We'll work with you to get it straightened out. But I think that'll probably much cure you. Our next listener question comes from Mark C. He writes, I've been working on my form. I can shoot pretty well on flat ground. But honestly, I suck, well, that's being honest, when shooting from a tree stand. I can't get it together at all. I'm either really high or really low. It's hard to hit my cube or even a 3D deer. I lost a shot at a really good buck last year at like only 15 yards because I shot right under him. I just can't get it. Should I be giving up on the stand hunting? I didn't want to switch to a blind because, frankly, I suck at shooting from a seated position. Season starts for us in less than a month. Can you give me any help on this? Well, Mark, yes, I can. Most people who shoot from tree stands, okay, you have a leg up on them because you're actually practicing from one. Albeit, self-admittedly, you say you suck practicing from that is because you don't have the right technique. That's not a problem. The exact thing I just covered for Marty, where I said you have to maintain that frame, applies to you too. If you're adjusting your arm angle, shooting at a deer, okay, or anything at an angle other than something normal and straight ahead of you, where it's a very moderate pitch, you're going to come out of form. And that thing where I said, you know, where people say, bend at the waist, dude, bend at the waist like that, you're going to fall out of a tree stand. So don't listen to people who say that. You form your frame by coming to full draw. If you have to aim at something to say 45 degrees down, you need to adjust your anchor accordingly. So say you put your arm down like that, you've reached the limit of how much you can actually stretch or tilt or cant with your body. Now, in order to accommodate it, say if you have to move your arm a little bit more down to get into the area. Raise your hand higher on your face. It accommodates that angle change so you keep still keeping a straight line might feel a little awkward but you're keeping a straight line 
And again, it's archery is all about maintaining that straight line. So you adjust your angle slightly down and you're able to do it. If you can't shoot like that because you're sit, you're sitting the same way, like you mentioned that you suck in quotes when you're shooting from a seated position, it's because you're altering your your draw to accommodate the seating position. Although most people I find who can't shoot from sitting positions, it's because they can't really draw their bow from sitting positions. They wind up in a weird angle just trying to get the bow back in the first place. But if you maintain your, your draw, if you look at me or one of my students when I'm sitting and shooting, my position on my full draw is exactly the same as if I'm standing, as if I'm kneeling, doesn't make a difference. My upper body position does not change. If you can maintain that, and only adjust slightly if it's a pitch that is not able to be done by your body, by your torso and the tilt. That's all you need. But as a tree stand hunter, I would give you one more piece of advice. If the deer is that close to your stand and you can't pitch and you can't make that angle right, let him get a little bit further away. Maybe he has to step to 18 yards or 20 yards. If you try to take a very, very steep angle shot, probably not going to be very comfortable doing so and you have the possibility of wounding or missing which you don't want but you be patient and i know the heart's beating a mile a minute let it move out a little further 18 to 20 yards let's just say now all of a sudden that shot presents itself it's more of a comfortable shot it's a risk you're going to have to take but the risk in wounding the animal is not worth it so i'd say wait or practice taking the shots as i just described adjusting your physical angle after the point where your body cannot tilt anymore. And that whole thing, like, if he's directly under you, will tilt the whole way. I don't want to see anybody fall out of a tree stand because that's completely stupid. That's crazy. And that's what you got to do. If I can find pictures of it where I'm demonstrating it in one of my classes, I will do that and I'll send it to you. If you still have problems, reach out to me. I'll get back to you. All right. And our third listener question comes from Clarissa B. This one's a doozy. Hi, I've been shooting at the park where you work out with your students for about two months now. I've seen you work with all the kids, and it looks like you teach all of them differently. But they all shoot exactly the same. And they're awesome. Thank you. My nine-year-old daughter shoots with her dad on the weekends, and she's been at it for about two years now. But we had her work with a coach from the local club, why even know who that is, and didn't see much improvement at all. I've been meaning to talk to you about it, but you always look so busy, I didn't want to interrupt you. Even if I look busy, there's no harm in coming up to me and asking me something. I will always make time for people. It's not a problem. But, so she continues, what can you suggest for us? I think she really likes it, but she's a little intimidated by those girls you train. Don't be intimidated. If anything, they want to bring more people in into the club just to shoot like them. Never be intimidated by them. They are so good, she doesn't want to look bad in front of them. And what is up with the golf balls? I promise I'm not a stalker. All right, I had to read that one twice to myself. They're like, she promises she's not a stalker. Okay, Clarissa, I hope you're not a stalker. But next time, just come to me and ask me. It's no big deal. And I'll explain about the golf balls. But first, to your initial question, I teach all of them differently. Yes. And this is the problem I find with most, most coaches out there. If you don't, as a coach, if you don't accept the fact that each and every person is an individual and they're all different, and you apply one coaching method to all those people, 
you're going to have what they call a slash and burn result. You're going to have a small percentage who get it and will stick with it, and an even larger percentage of people who can't roll with the roll with it, who cannot understand it because of the rigid way you're teaching it, and are just going to give up. As each person, each one of my students is an individual, I find a way to communicate the same exact principle to them in any way I can. So for some of them, teaching them to do this one way or describing it one way works. And for others, it may have to be done a completely different way. But as a coach, if you are not willing to do that for your students, you are in the wrong profession. And I am a coach, yes, but a lot of people who teach, while they may have a piece of paper that certifies they're an instructor or a coach, they don't understand how to deal with people or have the patience to deal with people. Personability is a big part of it. If you're unwilling to accept that people are as different as the colors of the rainbow and you have to tailor it to each one of them, then don't do it. And that's why each and one of my kids, each and every one of them that I work with, no matter how long it takes, because everyone has a different learning pace, I will take the time and find a technique that works for them. But the big thing is, in the end, they all look like clones of each other. Because you see one of my girls shoot, and you look at her form, and you see another one shoot, and right away people can tell you who my students are and who they're not. Because they all look exactly the same. And in the end, that's what we're looking for. And while I'll accept the fact that you're not a stalker, I will explain the golf ball things, because now people are wondering, what the hell are you talking about with golf balls? So, one of the things that I have happen, and for all those coaches who are going to steal this from me now, I don't care if it helps people. It helps people. For all those students who have problems shooting, and most of them, when they first start out, has to do with their hand position. So, like, I can teach them lifeline facing the ground. That's it. Some people get it. But other ones still have that pistol grip mentality and grab the bow the wrong way. I introduce them to a golf ball. No, I am not assaulting them with said golf ball. I am introducing them to how to use the golf ball to help them along to get the right hand position. Now, the important thing about this is they are not going to use the golf ball as a crutch for the rest of their life. But after they used it for about a week or so, they don't need it anymore because it trains them how to hold the bow. And there's a way to hold the golf ball in the last two or three fingers of the hand that prevents that part of the hand from touching the riser. And it also keeps the lifeline on the hand pointing down, which allows them to hold the bow normally. Knuckles line up at a 45 degree. They're not canting or torquing the bow anymore. And they shoot proficiently. So that's the mystery of the golf balls. Nothing big, nothing small. And actually, when I was taught to shoot myself, not shoot myself, like when I was learning how to shoot, let's just, you know, get past that, people. Um, when I was taught how to shoot, my teacher had a different way of doing it. One that in today's day and age would probably be considered child abuse, but he had us hold when, uh, when these trees around here in different parts of the state 
drop these things that look like spiky balls. And when they dry up, they harden, and they might as well be a cactus. I put one of those in my hand, and he said, here, hold this. Hold it too tight, you prick yourself. Hold it too loose, it fell out. But you know the one thing I didn't do? My hand didn't collapse on a riser after that, that couple first couple times when I was spiking myself to death. We've since moved on past that, and I've discovered golf balls, which are much easier to teach with and don't cause so much pain, but still teach the same lesson. So that'll do it for that. And that'll conclude our listener portion and listener questions of the show. And now, as always, in every show, it's time for our very popular segment, as it it turns out, our Don't Be That Guy. Now, this week's Don't Be That Guy goes out to the egotistical asshats that I run into every now and then at the ranges and pretty much everywhere else for that matter. And yes, I said that, kids. Try not to repeat that phrase. We keep a clean podcast here. But to be honest, I've heard much, much worse than that. So we'll just roll with it. In any case, don't be that guy who somehow thinks the rules don't apply to him. I see it each and every week. The dude or the crew of dudes or girls or gals who think the rules don't apply to them. What do I mean? Well, I'll use the ranges as an example. You go down there, and when you're in a public range or you're in an indoor range, there's something called waiting for everyone to stop shooting, calling clear, and then proceeding to get your arrows. But these particular groups of people or individuals don't listen. And when they're done shooting, they don't care. They'll just walk out there into the middle of the field, cause a potential safety issue, or even worse, when everyone's out there on the field, they'll come back, they'll grab their arrows, and start shooting while there's still people on the field. Don't be that guy who puts others in danger because you don't feel that the rules apply to you. Also, don't be that guy, okay, who goes and says, oh, I didn't know that was a rule. So what? Ignorance of the law or a rule is no excuse for violating the rule or a law. As someone who teaches a hunter safety course, I can tell you, I hear this a million times. I didn't know that. Make it your job to know that. You walk into a place, you walk into a range, look at the rule sets. You know what it is? Live by it. Everyone else there obeys the rules. You want to be special. You don't want to do that? Don't be that guy. Seriously. I see it a lot. I'm getting wound up. I must enhance my calm. I'm enhancing my calm. Sorry, sorry, sorry for doing that. Ah, yes. So, don't be that guy who thinks that nothing applies to them, doesn't care. Don't be that guy who creates a problem for others. Because you want to do things your own way. Because if there's a rule in place for it, there's a reason for it. If you violate the rules, you're going to get thrown out of somewhere. And some people don't even care if they get thrown out. But look at it like this. When it comes to places like 
public facilities, they're a very limited resource. And given the fact that it is a limited resource, it can be taken away from you. It's not a right. And we don't want that to be taken away from us. We also don't want to offend other people who are participating with us in anything, but especially in archery, because we are a small group of people. And if you want to keep it going and keep it growing, you have to make sure it's comfortable for everyone. If I'm a, if I'm a father and I have kids and somehow those kids are in danger because of one particular asshat on the other end of the field who doesn't care and doesn't care about the rules and he's being that guy, I'm not going to want to go back there. If I'm not going to want to go back there, we just lost another person in our sport. And I don't want to see that. So don't be that guy who doesn't follow the rules. Don't be that guy who could care less. Take your ego, check it at the door, follow the rules, and just get with it. And this concludes our rant part of the podcast. So anyway, that'll do it for the, for the rest of our show today. Um, as always, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. We hope this was both enriching and informative to you. If you have any questions, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to these podcasts. If you want to get our newsletter, subscribe at our website, highpowerarchery at gmail.com, at highpowerarchery.com, highpowerarchery at gmail.com. You can send your questions to. And as always, it's never goodbye. That's until we see each other again. Until then, stay safe and shoot straight.